episode of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by The Everyday Fan. Check out their content and a passionate group of content creators getting together to create content for the, for the growing community of pop culture, fan base, fandoms, and especially sports such as football, basketball, baseball, professional wrestling, and MMA fantasy sport. Control your content and, set, and set, share your story around the world today. The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. So, remember how I mentioned I would be breaking off episodes into three, into basically what is unofficially a trilogy? Yeah, the week just keeps getting more insane with announcements, so I have to break it down into four. And I'm pretty sure there will be a five if something else happens. Hello everyone, this is your host Eric Brown of Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News and Reviews Talk. I'm back again with the 68th episode of the Pop Culture News Talk side of things. And... Oh god, Summer Game Fest happened that around on this episode's listings, and a whole bunch of stuff came out about it, Final Fantasy especially, and a whole bunch of new projects were announced, along with the unveiling of the, re- the uniting of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman in the upcoming animated film, Justice League War World. So the trailer had come out, and okay, so there's something I gotta bring up about the Tomorrowverse. It feels like the Tomorrow. Okay, so they have established that the Tomorrowverse is the universe that formed after the events of the Dark of the Apocalypse War from the New 52 DC animated universe. But uh, it started off strong with some great films, but now it's it's confusing me because it's like, wait, um. Shouldn't this be telling the origin stories of the characters, even? but you're instead going with the route of, oh, well, these characters already exist, and they're already running around, like we already have the Justice League running around, even though it theoretically should have just formed. Yeah. Uh, and Wonder Woman and the, in the World War II game, in the World War II film, was more or less a Wonder Woman of another reality, and yet, you're establishing Wonder Woman in Justice League War World, like, having been a member for some time, it's like, I- I'm so confused. In fact, the synopsis for Justice League War World says this, Until now, the Justice League have been a loose association of superpowered individuals, but when they are swept away to War World, a place of unending brutal gladiatorial combat, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and the others must somehow unite to form an unbeatable resistance able to lead the ent- an entire planet to FREEDOM! So, uh, yeah, it also features various incarnations of them probably traveling to different timelines or universes, like Wonder Woman landing in the Wild West, Batman in a Viking-esque world, and Superman finding himself in a black-white noir-style crime thriller. I'm pretty sure there's something to be said about that. 
and it's been confirmed that this movie is in fact rated R, so brutality will emerge. There were some opinions that were mixed about the idea of having the, the movie being a rated R film when it comes to the Justice League. Like, as long as the story's good and the characters are consistent, even with the added violence and brutality, I just say go for it. Meanwhile, during the events of the Summer Games Fest, Insomniac had announced that during their presentation for Spider-Man 2, it is officially launching on October 20th, PlayStation 5. Yay! So far, uh, Insomniac hasn't revealed who's Venom. Um, they actually ruled out Eddie Brock. So, that's interesting. Also, uh, the act, the voice actor for Spider-Man, specifically Peter Parker's Spider-Man, is actually is the same voice actor of Sasuke, and he, when he's wearing the suit, he is donning the Sasuke voice because we need to be reminded of emo, emo-ness. Because that's how everyone on acts when they get the Venom suit, they turn into Sasuke. Oh, God, no one wants to deal with that guy. <laughs> I'm excited for that, for the game, nonetheless. I'm looking forward to it. I love the first one. I barely have played the sec the Miles Morales spinoff. I need to get back into that and come up with more archival footage. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be great. It's definitely going to be great with all these mechanics and whatnot. I'm playing both Spider-Men. And I keep... And ever since Spider-Verse happened... They have been having this argumentative debate about, oh, Smiles Morales is a Spider-Man, Peter Parker is Spider-Man, and I'm like, can't they both be Spider-Man? Like, Captain America wouldn't care about the debate, with, I mean, Steve Rogers wouldn't care about the debate if he or Sam Wilson or Bucky Barnes were Captain America, but, you know, we gotta be offended for fictional characters who don't exist and probably will never exist, given our track record. But, uh, yeah, it's just kind of an annoying debate. Like, can't they just both be Spider-Man? Like, there are legacy heroes and whatnot. You can have Peter Parker be the original, Miles Morales being his future successor. Like, if you want to go ahead and talk about the ultimate stuff, then fine. But, like, come on. Meanwhile, uh... <laughs> On Atlas West's own Instagram page, uh, they, it was revealed they inadvertently re leaked out a uh, announced both uh, Persona 3 Reload, which is the long rumored Persona 3 remake, and a turn-based tactic tactics RPG Persona 5 Tactia on its Instagram today, and they were deleted then 20 minutes after, and that time was pretty unusual for many. Then they just decided to f it, let's just announce it. I have never played Persona. I have never been one to be interested in Persona and all that. I might try it one day, but I don't think I will. Even if it's a long campaign. So, that had happened, and they even released a trailer at Summer Games Fest for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, hooray, and they have changed the release window to early 2024 instead of winter, like they originally said, oh no, it's still coming out in the winter. <sighs> nope. But, um, yeah, in this, so the gameplay trailer came out and featuring a disaster that apparently has, uh, nearly killed Tifa, Barrett, and Red 13, and, and Aerith, probably another timeline. Since why would they be back in Midgar already if this is only the second game? Unless they're going that far in, and I'll get to that in a moment. 
But yeah, it's also confirmed Yuffie will be showing up, Red 13 will be a playable character this time around, combo moves, riding chocobos, discussing where Cloud's been for the last five years because Aerith knows everything. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um... There is something else that uh, was brought up about that. Uh, I'll get to that uh, in a sec, but, like... They announced that Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which I must stress is a PS5 exclusive, has two discs. <sighs> so, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth on the PS5 is apparently so big and powerful that it had to be broken into two discs. Um... The internet certainly reacted to, um, to this, and everyone laughed and joked about it. Uh, like, like, like they've been making memes and jokes about it. Oh god! Like, I, I'm a little. I was surprised when I heard that. I thought with the PS5's power, like I could, I got it. I understood on the PS4 with Final Fantasy VII Rebirth remake, but Rebirth being already two discs on the PS5, either they have a ton of content that's even more surprising, or they're doing something else with it. Not only that, we also get Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis getting a closed beta as announced during Summer Games Fest. The closed beta will begin and run through June, 20, June 28th, with pre-registrations opening soon. Unfortunately, the closed beta test is limited to Android users, and it was announced that it was a compilation of all the games and stories set in the Final Fantasy VII universe, example Crisis Core and Dirge of Cerberus. Through, though a press release for the game's announcement also confirmed that there would be a new story elements that focused on the origins of Soldier. So, if this is a complete compilation of Final Fantasy VII OG, does that mean that's going to factor into the multiple timeline stuff? Are they going to make this as complicated as Kingdom Hearts' lore? Where, oh, if you don't play the mobile games, you don't get what why there are certain characters you meet in, Final, in Kingdom Hearts 3, and then you find out all the hero the, that during the epic battle, your character that you theoretically played in the first game, in the mobile games, is actually your character and all that insanity. <sighs> Anyways, um, part of the Summer Games Fest, uh, Lord of the Rings is featuring a new game coming out for win for for uh, Fall 2023 called Lord of the Rings: Return to Moira. The game is built as a survival crafting adventure set in the fourth age of Middle Earth. In the practice. That means a game that looks a bit like Deep Rock Galactic, but with Lord of the Ring dwarves instead of space dwarves. More, of course, is a labyrinth, labyrinth mine known for producing mithril, a myst, myst, mythical metal prized for its strength and resiliency in dwarven arm, arms crafting. Return to Moira will tell an original story as the dwarves and Miller set out to reclaim their ancestral homeland, and they even did a rundown of the game when it was announced last year on IGN, so check that out if you're interested. Along with that, Alan Wake 2 got a game, game uh, play footage showcase at the, at the show. Pretty damn awesome. Uh, 
At last month's PS Showcase, we learned that Sega Anderson is a new character who will be one of the two playable characters in the sequel with uh, Alan Wake. Anderson is an FBI agent who's been sent to Bright Falls to investigate some ritual murders, according to Lake. Alan Wake 2 will be released on all consoles on October 17, 2023. And though, if you're looking for to buy a physical copy, you might be out of luck. Shortly after the release, there was a real room announced that Alan Wake 2 would be a digital-only plat- release across all platforms in order to maintain costs and keep the game at 60 bucks or 50 if you buy it on PC. Though THQ Nordic, who published the first Alan Wake game on PC and released a physical copy, expressed interest in publishing physical copies of Alan Wake 2, but we have yet to receive a confirmation on whether or not this will happen. So... Yeah, I think that's not going to work out so well. I, I, when I heard this, I was just like, oh, God. It's just insane when you think about it that they're going to go ahead and make this a digital-only game to keep the cost to 70 bucks, to 60 bucks instead of price hiking it. It feels like they're trying to justify, oh, well, we can't make physical copies even though everyone did that beforehand. Why not just hire a publisher to do it who would be willing to express, to expect, to do the costing of making a physical copy but not have a price hike? Or would that have just been asking too much? So yeah, Summer Games Fest and the Xbox Showcase also happened, so yeah. Capcom announces Street Fighter 6 and Extra Primal collab at Summer Game Fest. As during the t- during the show, it, it was real very little has been said about the c- crossover aside from the fact that it's coming out in the fall of 2023. A multiplayer third-person shooter, Exo Primal, is debating on PS4, 5, Windows, Xbox on July 14, 2023, in a brief boost teasing the collaboration of Mecha Ryu was shown finding a dinosaur because why the hell not? He was seen talking to Exo Primal's artificial intelligence Leviathan on the on an island. Guy also shows up at the end of the teach, teaser that came out. Exo Primal takes place in the year 2040 when sudden dinosaur outbreaks around the world have threatened humanity's very existence. Players will step into the shoes of Exo Fire's battling mass supports of dinosaurs and mutated prehistoric creatures. So, Jurassic Park, if they actually kept track of the evolution of the films, looking like it was going to turn into a dinosaur humanity movie. But that didn't go that route. Witchfire was also announced by the Polish ga- by a Polish indie game developer, The Astronauts, announced today that its upcoming dark fantasy first-person shooter, Witchfire, will release early access this September. Uh, it gives us another look at the brief uh, trailer was also released, which gives us another grim and bleak fantasy world that players will venture across. Back when it was announced at 2017 at the Game Awards that year, and news of the game had been Sheldon for the last several years. It would not be until 2022 at last year's Game Fest that the developers would show an update on Witchfire, where we got some gameplay footage in a coming soon release window. However, the astronauts announced that in a blog post October of last year, the game was shifting to an open world, and as a result, the game was delayed into 2023. No update on that yet. Uh... Besides how uh, they'll be releasing it on September 20th at this year's on the Epic Game Store. So, exclusive. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it, it has potential. I, I can look for it. Meanwhile, Mortal Kombat 1 could ha- unveiled some new details about its games and, and its cameos, aka assist characters. Creator Ed Boon of the franchise also took the stage out of the trailer, detailing Mortal Kombat 1 takes place in a new timeline where characters we've seen before have their stories told in a brand new way, in a reboot of sorts. 
Cameo fighters are chosen during a character select after choosing a main fighter and can be called out multiple times during a fight to assist with a single button press. Any character can be controlled with any cameo fighter, allowing for deeper customization of movesets and more interesting possibilities for combo building. Some cameo fighters are available in the main roster. Yes, you can combine Sub-Zero with Sub-Zero, while others are unique to the cameo roster. I question the validity of that. Why not just make a combat pack afterwards? And... Yeah, set to release on September 19th, the game will introduce a new reborn Mortal Kombat universe created by the Fire God Liu Kang, along with rematching versions of a lot of iconic characters. And there have been talks about the Injustice 3 game that's been rumored about, but that will come in a later episode, since there is just so much content to go around. So, new trailer for Path of Exile 2 teases a free-to-play Diablo 4 alternative. Hopefully not as screwjob as Blizzard Activision Blizzard's handling. But, um, yeah. Let's hope things work out. Meanwhile, for the first time in God knows how many years, Ubisoft announced brand new Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, a 2D Metroidvania announced at Summer Games Fest. Built using the Metroidvania structure, the large round spans a variety of Persian mythology-inspired arid environments, including the majestic citadel of knowledge and outdoor regions such as the Hierakin Forest. Each er area contains platforming dangers, puzzles, and combat encounters, as well as a new time powers to unlock and side quests to complete. My god. The trailer Summer Games Fest showed off several glimpses of the Lost Crown's challenges, including the boss battle of, I'm not going to pronounce that name, I tried. Ubisoft also revealed that the Lost Crown soundtrack will be composed by an Iranian bone composer named Mentrix. They also joined Garrett Coker, uh, the composer best known for his works for Ori and the Blind Forest and Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Ah, you know, I remember that game. Uh, I believe Jane Stephanie Sterling talked about it a lot when uh, they were. Um, Getting copyright claimed from uh, Gilson B. Pont Pontus or whatever. So, Diego Luna. So, you remember Diego Luna, right? Uh, he came out and revealed about his uh, recruitment into the Star Wars universe as the as a. Uh, the rebel we all come to know and love, and or. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, his recruitment into that franchise was said to be equally dr dramatic. Speaking to Variety, Luna explained that even though he appeared in countless film and TV and theater productions before Star Wars, by far the mo was the most secretive. It was time. It was the first time such secrecy happened around anything I was going to be a part of. He his story being offered as part of some scene straight out of a spy thriller, he said. I was asked by my agent to meet someone for something that couldn't be said on the phone. I went into the meeting in that restaurant that was completely empty. There was a guy sitting in the corner with a computer open. This was Gareth Edwards, the director. I sat down with him. It was just us for four hours. Which was, of course, uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Despite being penned, pegged for a leading role by the film's director, however, and despite being a huge Star Wars fan, Luna admitted he did not see himself ever being part of that universe. I said to him, but I don't see myself here. I love these films, but how do I fit here? No one has my ass, a, ascent, 
accent. I never thought this could be possible. Edward managed to convince him, of course, and then would star as Cassie and Andor in both Rogue One and the ongoing prequel series, aptly titled Andor. We'll get to a little bit of that in the, next epi- in the upcoming episodes. I was asked by my agent to meet, so yeah, he, he went to this meeting that was completely empty, like it was a spy thriller, and like, this is Gareth Edwards. You have been assigned a very valuable mission. It will determine the fate of all things, mostly being the more memorable Star Wars film that is not, and I repeat, not the prequel trilogy. We will be the best Disney era film of Star Wars ever made, and the sequel trilogy can suck it. I mean, seriously, why are there so many plot holes that have to be explained in books? I'm not paying 20 bucks for a book to explain the plot holes. Meanwhile, uh, Lord of the Rings is a kind of bri- bridge of Casanom scene. It is uh, part of Magic the Gathering. So this is part of that whole Magic the Gathering, Lord of the Rings crossover event. Yeah. And... It's actually been doing well from what I've heard. It's uh, already worth $1 million. Uh, apparently there's a one of Kylo of the Rings card that is already worth a million bucks, and it's the One Ring. Trading card buying collecting company Dave and Adam's Card World has issued an unprecedented one million dollar bounty for the special One Ring card, doubling the five hundred thousand offered by fellow collector and investor Cassius Marsh Sr. They announced it on the Twitter on their Twitter account, David Adams, DA Card Dac at Whatever World. There are caveats, however, that don't guarantee the one who become the most expensive card of all time. This may seem obvious, but the transaction has act, has to actually happen first. Someone has to pull this card from the upcoming Lord of the Rings set and have enough knowledge of the game to reach out today to claim this prize. Though charging down $1 million is probably a hard thing to do, the person who pulls the one ring may also see the value themselves. If collectors are willing to make, to sp- sell for $1 million, what, what will they pay in 5 or 10, 20 years' time? <laughs> Oh god. My precious. So, uh, get ready for hijinks to ensue and probably a Lord of the Rings style epic fight game, brawl fight for it. If they get that desperate enough. This is the human race after all. Speaking of people who will fight and get desperate, Friday the 13th is being delisted. Gun Interactive announced that it's due to the expiration of the Friday the 13th license set for December 31st, 2023. So they will no longer be able to sell physical or digital copies of the game, though the statement notes the game will continue to be playable through at least 2024, provided you bought the game before the end of the year. While there will be at least one more year of support, the game afterwards will be no longer available to buy. It is important to remember that online service was shut down nearly three years ago, so if you plan to buy this game, your only option is to play online via peer-to-peer matchmaking or playing an offline match using bots. Uh, God damn it. So, like, what's the point of this game, then? It's just so annoying, isn't it? When, when you have to basically retcon out a whole bunch of content and basically sell a game that is half-baked now. It's like you baked it completely and then you just crippled it somehow and messed it up. Uh, franchise licenses are so complicated. 
Meanwhile, the US video game subscription market is likely approaching a plateau in terms of player spending, according to new data analytics from from an analytics firm. According to a company's games market dynamics report, in April 2023, the game subscription spending was only 2% higher than the same period last year, saying finding new, the executive director, Matt Priscilla, whatever, said finding it in a new tweet saying finding new subscribers beyond the console ownership base may have has proven very difficult thus far. Noting that Sony's PlayStation Plus saw zero growth in subscribers year on year ending March 31st, as at the end of March, Plus has 47.4 million. This comes despite the launch of the PS Plus Premium and PS Plus Extra in June of last year. Microsoft's Game Pass hit 25 million subscribers in July, January 2022, but Microsoft hasn't announced a fresh figure since. Xbox Peel Spencer has bemoaned the lack of P- P- Game Pass growth on consoles, specifically saying he expects more to come from PC. Spencer also insisted Microsoft does not expect Game Pass to become Xbox's new main source of income and stressed that as long as it remains the 10, 10 to 15% overall revenue band, it will be profitable. The, this potential plateau comes in the post pandemic recalibration of the video game industry as well as the cost of living crisis that has caused me to reevaluate the spending habits. So thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Boris Johnson. I'm sure everyone appreciates that. So Sony and Microsoft take different approaches when it comes to their respective subscription services. Where Microsoft, while Microsoft releases its first-party games, Sony refuses to do the same with its PS exclusives, which sells first before adding to PS Plus and PC later. And while Game Pass has seen addition of a number of superb smaller games from Microsoft Studios, they struggle in terms of AAA games, with 343's Halo Infinite and Arcane's Disaster's Redfall failing to make an impact. The pressure is now on Starfield, set to launch into the Game Pass as in September to boost subscriber numbers, so they're probably more than likely screwed. Meanwhile, uh, there's going to be a new Marvel comic series coming out, a new miniseries. Uh, we've had the decades-long Alien vs. Predator series, but now we've got a new series. Wolverine vs. Predator. Bub. It will be a four-issue limited series from Wolverine writer Benjamin Percy and a rotating lineup of audience that includes Greg Land. So that means I'm definitely not not checking it out because I do not want to read, see Greg Land's terrible artwork of tracing. The new series is set over the course of many decades of Wolverine's long life, tracing an ongoing feud between the mutant loner and, the, and a predator who has set its sights on the universe's most dangerous prey. With a new... Where each new encounter, the two commands become more battle-hardened and deadly. The series will explore key periods in Logos' past, including his days spent as Weapons X's test subject and his time in Madripoor. I'm not going to say I was born to write this crossover, but sometimes the universe reveals why you were created, and Percy said in Marvel's press release. I am a child of the 80s. I cannot tell you how many times I've watched Predator, just as I cannot tell you how many Wolverine comics I've read, because that would have been like me telling you how many breaths. I've taken or cheeseburgers I've eaten. This step become with span decades. Both of these giants learn hard and grow daily with time. Neither will I have the time to bleed. But you better make time to read. Because I'm putting everything I've got into this event. And I'm thrilled to join forces with some of the best of the artists of the business. This new series will come roughly a year after Marvel first teased the idea of pitting its heroes against the Predator with a series of crossover variant covers. So. Does that mean we get to see the aliens and the Xenomorphs versus Wolverine eventually? I'm like, we got that RV Silva cover art, which was freaking awesome. So I'm all for it. Anyways, the day before developer Fantastic, they don't have the A in the Fantastic, 
have insisted the game's Steam page, which was removed in January over a trademark dispute, will be back online soon. Speaking to Well Played, they claimed it was the first to start using this name related to the video game and said it's optimistic about regaining our name through a league of proceedings as swiftly as possible. Though they didn't give a timeline, despite the day before set to launch in just five months on November 10th, they said the Steam page will be reinstated soon. The day before was removed from Steam after the developers of a 2010 countdown app of the same name found out about the game. They had to propose the release date as a result of the dispute delay in mid IGN had it planned to end delay regardless. New game play details were shared during the interview, with reviewing players were able to take on their in-game jobs in the day before. These in-game jobs were arranged from various professions, from manual labor as a loader, to showcasing artistic talent as a musician. These jobs will add another layer of realism and immersion to the game. A 30-second gameplay video was released alongside the interview, showing a, showing a player drive a Lamborghini-style car through the abandoned city. Uh, yeah, they're also trying to promise November 10th will be the will be their final release date for it, and let's be real, you probably shouldn't promise that something else happens. A beta is set to take place between now and the launch date, so get ready for that. Meanwhile, the Witcher community rallies around Geralt actor Doug Cockle in the wake of pr prostate cancer diagnosis. Damn. He wrote, um, I had no idea in response to a tweet from Charity from a ch from Charity Prostate Cancer UK saying random check and boom I have full bone prostate cancer treatment ongoing but looking good so far been over 50 get PSA get a PSA test just in case industry peers and friends were quick to wish the actor a speed recovery and express gratitude for him for sharing his diagnosis saying our best wishes we know you can beat this witcher since he's gonna be in that <laughs> much love and best wishes to from all at BAFTA he said, Luke, who heads the British Awards Ceremony, you got this, Doug, sending all the love, and we're all in your corner. Less than three. Wrote Critical Roles, Matthew Mercer, Mercier. Staff at CD Project Red were amongst those sending his heartfelt condolences, saying you, you are best wishes. Confirmed narrative director Phil Weber, while global community director Mark and Moat joined the others in wishing the veteran actor a speedy recovery. So, yeah. <sighs> Damn, that was depressing. Uh, let's hope for the best. I I'm hoping for the best. Let's hope this guy pulls through. So, there was a lawsuit that went down with Disney. Loricana publisher Ravensburg. Uh, yeah, is being sued by trade card rival Upper Deck Company in a move which threatens to postpone the highly anticipated game's release date. As reported, the game, the lawsuit was filed on June 7, alleges the design co-designer Ryan Miller created a nearly identical game called Rush of Accor while under contract at Upper Deck. The company is seeking an injunction that would delay the launch. Currently set for August 18th, while also doing penitent damages, re restitution, and injunction, justice relief, enjoining Ravensburg from publicly releasing the game, the card game. An Upper Deck press release labeled it as a stolen game and said the company is suing. Wing for stealing copying Upper Deck's original game, which was repackaged and marketed as Loraka. We invested significant time in research to develop new and novel trading card games. We want gamers to advance and continue enjoying themselves having the unique and innovative immersive trading card games. We encourage competition in the industry, but we also strongly believe in playing by the rules to ensure the game community benefits from the different creative choices by each manufacturer. It was announced last year as a new rival to the likes of Magic the Gathering, a Pokemon trading card game, though the likes of which through one with the likes of which have frozen, Robin Hood and some of the world's other biggest IPs behind it. And they also kept saying, um, 
the game, which promises to put players before collectors in a world where mansions gathering cards can cost $1 million, revealed its first set, the first chapter, in January. So, um, drama. Meanwhile, the uh, popular season one of Wednesday's season two upcoming storyline will ditch the romantic stuff in favor of highlighting the horrors of the show. Can it just be, um, can it just be a balance? Like, we kind of want to have character development and, you know, not just pure, dark, and bridal misery. I mean, so there was this whole love triangle thing going on and they and then the but uh, they was but they mentioned they were not uh, but Wednesday's actress said that they were not found the subplot and previously said it made no sense for her character saying we're ditching any romantic love interest for Wednesday which is really great we're going to get bolder and more dark I mean this is not, like, this could be a whole different interpretation. It doesn't have to be the exact same character. Also, it's about growing a character and giving them more layers as opposed to force narrative stuff. Eh, I just hope things don't go crazy. Meanwhile, Whoopi Goldberg, the famous ghost actress, Whoopi Goldberg, I mean, uh... Apparently, she's pissed. Uh... She bought Diablo 4, thinking she could play on the Mac like its previous games. Unfortunately, she found out that it's not, and in her post on Instagram, first reported by Entertainment Weekly, Goldberg pleaded with Blizzard to release Diablo 4 on Mac. This is why I'm asking you, Blizzard. This is Whoopi. You know how much I love Diablo. I would like y'all to let those who use our apples to play. Allow us to play the game on Apple. Take Diablo 4 and let's do it and have a great time. Then, give me my Diablo 4. Or because I paid for it, I was all excited for it, I went to play it, and I'm telling you, this really pissed me off. Um, didn't you, like, read the whole directions? I'm like, I'm not criticizing you whatnot, but this kind of looks like a, uh, how do I say this delicately? Uh, this looks like a old man yells at clouds kind of scenario right now. They may change soon if they're trying. Since Apple is trying to see if they can get Windows games onto Mac computers, so there, there's a hope. There's hope, maybe, probably, probably not, but no idea. And and during Summer Game Fest, uh, a debate trailer for Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name, proved the leaks to be true. Proved some leaks to be true when it came out that the Yakuza spinoff will be arriving on November 9th, with the legendary fire pack available for those who pre-order. So, yeah, Yakuza spinoff, Like a Dragon Gaiden, November 9th, everyone. Praise be. And last but not least, to end this pretty short episode on, compared to last episode, Jonathan Hickman and Brian Hitch revealed the full scope of Ultimate Invasion, and what will be coming out in the Fallout. So even though Ultimate Invasion hasn't even launched yet, we already just decided to spoil the whole thing by saying, yep, we're launching a new line of the Ultimate Universe. So this is more or less, ulti less an Ultimate Invasion, and more like an Ultimate Rebirth. I'm like, let's be real, Jeff Johns, if he was working at Marvel in another life in another lifetime, he probably would have called it Ultimate Rebirth. Anyway, select retailers were revealed during Marvel's press release for it. Select retailers were invited to the Ultimate Invasion Virtual Conference, provided Jonathan Hickman 
and artist Brian Hitch and editor-in-chief C.B. Silbieski laid out plans for the new Ultimate Universe that will spin out of the pages of Ultimate Invasion series. Launching later this month, the four-part limited series seemingly herald the return of the Ultimate Universe, but just at best, readers tales just learned it will actually mark the creation of something entirely new, something that has been forged in fire and shaped by design. In the same vein of the groundbreaking Ultimate Comics line that defined the 2000s with bold storytelling and risk-taking twists on Marvel characters, Hickman and Hitch's new universe revolutionized the world outside your window, witnessed the spark that were like the fire of this new age of the Ultimate Invasion. After the Makers desperate attempts to restore the Ultimate Universe and release his massive unintended consequences, because this is the Marvel Universe, like the Illuminati, a group of Marvel heroes are caught in a war between timelines. As universes collide, the foundation of a new line of Ultimate Comics will be built. This November, Marvel will be proud to present Ultimate Universe Number 1, a one-shot written by Jonathan Hickman and drawn by Stefio Castiel. We have covered by Brian Hitz, this breathtaking epic will introduce readers to this new line that will be home to an array of brand new hard-hitting series. A fresh start for a new generation. Prepare to see your favorite characters redefined for today's world. Well, and this is what was said in the interview by Hickman. What made the Ultimate Universe originally really interesting was that it was a reflection of the world outside your window. In that moment, you were living in. What does it look like with the world we're living in now? It's kind of shocking how much the world has changed in that period of time. The idea of what it would be like to see the great gen genesis of superheroes in a brand new world is a really fascinating exercise. Hitch then followed up on that saying, you don't have to read any of the Ultimate Universe beforehand to enjoy this. There are some great comics in there, but this doesn't need you to be familiar with that stuff. You just need to get in on page one and enjoy this because this story takes you where you need to go. So yeah, and they, te and they tease the return of so many Ultimate Universe characters and reinventions of those characters. I actually had a talk with one of my online buddies. Uh, who I have, who I do have plans to do a collaborative work with eventually, but that's a different matter. Um, but um, me and him had a talk about the whole Marvel stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh God, um, we talked about this. He doesn't think it. This is what I wrote to him when I showed him this update about the Ultimate Universe coming back. This is what I said with William Hughes. He'll be doing some stuff on his own content soon enough. He's already writing his scripts for stuff. I'm not going to say what, but I got a hint of his teasing jokes of it. So it looks pretty damn good. This is what I wrote. The Ultimate Universe line is back in action. Now let's hope they remove the incest, cannibalism, and everyone being an edgy jerk. His response to these were... They probably won't. Honestly, minus a few things like Ultimate Alliance games and Ultimate Spider-Man comic, I never cared about for the 1610 universe for the reasons you mentioned. Sure, I do have a bias towards the OG Marvel universe, but that doesn't take away the fact the Ultimate Universe was never a good to be thing to begin with. Also, if my memory serves correctly, the Ultimate comics were also a point made to ground everything, which was another reason I didn't care for the universe of, of comics. And I wrote back saying, yeah, they basically went to New 52, the old Marvel Universe, but were convinced to make it separate imprint, if I recall. At least it gave us the 41 flavors that is Miles Morales in the Hickmania era. Those and Bendis' Ultimate Spider-Man were good, at least. Yeah, those were good. Everything else having sucked, he said. I think there was a demand for it to come back, mainly because everyone felt Miles was in Parker's shadow. His editorial driven made miserable, depressing shadow, nonetheless, but still his shadow. Also, I found out all Hickman's works will be compiled into an OG omnibus, so get ready for that. And he's pretty damn excited about that. 
So, all of Hickman's works of the Ultimate Marvel Universe will be compiled in an omnibus format. So, naturally, that comes out next year. I'm looking forward to that. Get ready for that insanity. But yeah, when I heard about all this, I was like, oh man, imagine Jeff Johns were working at Marvel. He called this Ultimate Universe Rebirth, or Ultimate Rebirth. Yeah, I probably would be. I'm just hoping that this time around they don't make everyone some edgy, edgelord, jerk, cannibal, incestuous relationships going on. Like, if you want to take bold approaches to characters and whatnot, go for it. Like, look, as much as people, as much as uh, from Ultimate Power's review of Linkara, he mentioned how he didn't like the whole Reed Richards being one of the few good guys and it's just being turned into a villain. I was like, <sighs> if this was the main Marvel Universe Reed Richards, oh, I would totally understand that idea being pissed off worthy. But. I like the idea that this is an alternate version of Reed Richards that could have gone down this path, given, you know, the stuff. Granted, it probably should have been handled better the precedent beforehand, but at least we got some 41 flavors with the maker, and he was clearly popular enough for fans to keep around after the Ultimate Universe's destruction and Secret Wars. And he stuck around for Venom, he stuck around for other storylines. And it does look like in the previews that Miles Morales is about to head back home to the Ultimate Universe. He's probably going to become that New World Spider-Man, the main Spider-Man or something, probably. I, I don't know. Um, I'm excited for this initiative. I'm hoping it all works out. Uh, anything that involves Hickman, I am there. Jonathan Hickman is one of the best writers of Marvel, and I look forward to what he does and when he eventually comes over to DC. He had also recently come out and said in an interview that had he not been in X-Men, he was given an offer by, by DC to work on the New Gods and the Legion of Superheroes. And I was just like, damn. Well, let's hope that to happen still one day when he's done with Marvel. Probably after Gods and Ultimate Projects are done. And maybe one more little little writing on the X-Men. I feel like he should have a way to go out on his own terms. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm hoping for the best. Really am. I am excited. I'm hoping things work out. We get some good content. We get good comics. And hopefully the Ultimate Universe is much better than this new Rebirth as opposed to the previous one and how it ended, how it ended up. But that's all the stuff I have for you today. Stay tuned for this outro, and I'll see you all again next time. This is your host, Eric Brown, of Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News and Reviews Talk. Feel free to check out my other content. Go on and follow me on Twitter at NeoRealityENT. See you all again next time. Peace, and I hope you all do well today and in the future. Take care. sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.